I'm Aryeh Cohen, and this is Daf Shui, Weekly Daf. Give me 40 minutes or so, and I'll give you a Daf or so. This is the first Daf Shui of the new year of 2023. Go 2023. Already starting two police shootings in Los Angeles already this year. Today is January 9th, coming up next week on Martin Luther King Day. Everybody wants to remember King as the guy who said everybody should be nonviolent, meaning not pacifist, but pacifist with a V. Everybody should sit around and do nothing. Certain white people are fond of demanding that African-Americans be pacifist after some awful tragedy has been done to them. Shooting, another shooting, and righteous rage boils over and then white nationalists or Republicans come out and just say, well... King would have been a pacifist. People forget that Martin Luther King was a pacifist, and he saw love as a weapon. said that you don't have to like your enemy, your opponent, but you have to love them because if you don't believe that they could change, then what's the point? His notion of love, which was not eros, but agape. Agape love, according to King, was love that said that since you were created in the image of God, since everybody was created in the image of God, everybody is worthy of God's love, therefore everybody can change. And love means that you are trying to impact another person to change them. Martin Luther King, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was, has been, changed into a caricature of himself. And so that's leading into Martin Luther King week, thinking about police violence, defunding the police, an institution that cannot be reformed, that has proven itself time and again that it cannot be reformed. Same institution that could not be reformed in King's time still cannot be reformed today. Caging as our go-to plan for safety rather than keeping each other safe, community safety. So those are things I'm thinking about going into this coming week. King Week always comes out in some relation to the beginning of Exodus. Pharaoh deciding that he was God and therefore that he could enslave people. And that hasn't changed either. So that's what we're that's where we're going into. That's what we're thinking about. And hopefully getting into some good trouble, as John Lewis would say, to try to uh, change things, change the world. So we are now into the new year, and here in Los Angeles, we are dragging the firewood from the backyard and wondering, why are we dragging the firewood from the backyard? It's Los Angeles. But anyway, here at Duff Shui, here in our comfy little bait midrash in the closet, we try to bring you the highest quality Duff Shui programming available on this site. We so appreciate your being here with us, pulling up a chair to our imaginary table, and joining in the centuries-old process of asking the question, what were the rabbis thinking? So now we are asking for you, if you're able, to be partners in this venture by going to our Patreon page, which is linked to the podcast page, and become card-carrying members of the Bait Midrash cards not included. Remember, we are not one of those corporate Duff Shui outfits. We're more of a rickety storefront shtiebel Duff Shui. Thank you so much. Who's Duff? Our Duff. Who's Duff? Our Duff. Who's Duff? Our Duff. Okay, so we are on 99A few lines from the top. Uh, we're continuing. We're kind of in the middle of a conversation. We are three lines down from the top in the page layout that was popularized and published by the widow and brothers Raim, Raim or Rome in Vilna, low these 150 years ago. So we're in the middle of a conversation where we just found out that uh, the Ark was kind of hanging out in the middle of nowhere. And we're continuing from there. Messiah Levi. This conversation, which we said that the Ark 
in order for the measurements to work out, is kind of hanging out in the middle of nowhere. This supports what Rabbi Levi said. Dama Rabbi Levi, Vitem Rabbi Yochanan, so either Rabbi Levi or Rabbi Yochanan to Palestinian Amoraim. Davar zem asorit biadena miavotenu, makom aron ukruvim eno min hamida. So this is a tradition in our hands from our ancestors that the space of the ark and the cherubs or the kruvim is not counted, is not measured. In other words, they they don't take up space. Taninamihachi, there is also a Taninic text, a Braito, which says this very same thing. Aron Moshe, an ark that Moshe built has a width of ten amot for every to every side. Amar Ravnai, Amar Shmuel, and Ravnai said in the name of Shmuel, Babylonian, Babylonian Amorim now. The cherubs were standing by a miracle. The wings of one cherub were five amot, and the wings of the other cherub were five amot. So that's eser amot mikzot knafav knafav, ten amot across. Gufayo havikame. So where was the body of the cherub if the wingspan was ten amot? And it says, now this is kind of the implied part here, it says also, we'll take a look at the verses in a minute, that the cherubs stood on top of the ark. So if the wingspan was tenamot and the ark was tenamot, so then how do you account for the measurement of the ark itself, right? Now this... uh, this exchange is also appears elsewhere in, in the Bible. We also had an exchange, if you remember, on 14b in Baba Batra, a conversation about the Ark and what existed inside the Ark. And there were the, the tablets and the broken tablets and how did they fit in there? And they're worried about measuring it. And in also in Megillah 10b, there is a similar conversation to here. There is a tradition, it's only Rabbi Levi, not in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, or not possibly Rabbi Yochanan, but only Rabbi Levi. This is a tradition from our ancestors that the place of the Ark is not counted. Right? Which is understood to mean it's not, that it doesn't take up place or space. And there it only mentions the Ark and not the Kruvim. The cherubs. Also, there, this is backed up by a brighter, as also says in the brighter. The ark that Moshe made had, the Moshe constructed, is 10 amot to, in each direction. And there are 20, it says, there are 20 amot before the sanctuary, the sanctum. We, this is a verse that we also quoted last week. This was also quoted in the sugi that we did last week. And it also says that the wingspan of each cherub was 10 amot. So where was the ark itself? So we must say that it was standing by a miracle. And the difference between Baba Batra and Megillah is that Baba Batra, as it is cited, Rabbi Levi or Rabbi Yochanan's statement is about the cherubs. In Megillah, the statement is about the ark. Now, cherubs is also, just as an aside, one of those words that's not a translation as much a transliteration. The Hebrew word is kruv, and it, that's translated as cherub, some type of creature, winged creature that stood guard over the ark. This statement is also cited in Yoma 21a in a discussion of the miracles that happened in the temple. And the Stam 
in Yoma introduces our miracle, the miracle of the Ark and the cherubs, with the introductory formula, Betuleka. Is that meaning, are there not more miracles? And he continues, Mama Rabbi Levi did not Rabbi Levi say, Again, the same thing that this is a a tradition from our ancestors that the place of the ark is not counted it's not measured and there they add of said in the shmuel that the cherubs were standing by a miracle which is a pared down version of our text in baba bacha so let's just go a little bit into what is the problem that we're facing. So in Kings 1.6, it says, Kings 1.6.24 and on, V'chamesh amot knaf ha-kruva achad, V'chamesh amot knaf ha-kruva shenit, Eser amot miktsot knafav, V'ad ktsot knafav. So each cherub, and this we have in, in these two verses, 24-25, each cherub's wingspan is 10 amot, right? And so if you put them one next to the other, that's 20 amot. Then it continues, and also the, the height of each cherub is 10 amot. So that's a lot. 10 amot is like, and ama is like 18 inches. So 10 amot is like 180 inches. So that's a bunch. And here's where we get run into problem. Here's where we start, have the problem. And he put the cherubs into the inner sanctum, the bayetapnimi, the inner house. And spread out the wings. And so one wing touches one wall and one wing touches the other wall. And then in the middle, their two wings touch each other. So that's the 20 amot, which it says uh, the, the, the 20 amot of the dvir, of, of the sanctum. So then the problem is, as the Bavli says, where is the body of the cherub? The miraculous nature of the Ark has to do with the fact that the Ark itself has dimensions, according to Exodus 25.10. It's two and a half by one and a half by one and a half amot. And the dvir is 20 amot wide. And the cherubs, which according to Exodus 25.22, are on the Ark, have a wingspan of 10 amot. Five for each wing, so five and five is 10. And then the two together is 20. So where is there room for the ark if the cherubs are on the ends of the ark? Or, alternatively, how is there room for the body of the cherubs if their wingspan alone equals 20 amot? This question is heightened from the bright to which asserts that the ark had 10 amot space between it and the wall on each side. So that's what the problem is. So Shmuel says, this statement quoted in the name of Shmuel, said that they were standing miraculously. However, Matif Labaya Abaye attacked this answer. May perhaps the wings stuck out on their back like turkey wings. In other words, that there the body was in front of the wings and the wings touched each other. Right, the right and left wings touched each other on the back and then spread out. So they were joined together. So therefore there were only ten amot. You didn't need more room for the body. Rabbi said, well, if that's not true, maybe they were facing each other, the cherubs, rather than one next to each other. It's not that they're, the wingspan 
touched, the wingtips touched each other of the two cherubs, but they were facing each other, so therefore they didn't need to take up all that space. Makifla Rav Achabar Yaakov, Rav Achabar Yaakov also challenged this idea of, of a miraculous cherub. Maybe they were in on the angle, so even though the dvir was 20 Amot wide, but the diagonal would be more than 20 Amot. Matkiflar of Huna Braid Rabbi Yeshua, of Huna, the son of, Reb, of Reb Yeshua, also challenged uh, this this premise of the miraculous cherubs. Vidilma Beta Me'ilai Rabach. Perhaps, because they were also 10 Amot high, perhaps the house, the inner sanctum, was wider, higher up. And uh, Rav Papa said, maybe their wings were actually bent in at the end, as like uh, like uh, hands are. And Rav Ashi said, maybe, perhaps they were touching each other, or they were facing each other, and their wings were entangled with each other, as if they were holding on to each other. And so therefore, all the Babylonian challenges to these miracle assertions, and the assertion itself was itself both Palestinian, the Palestinian Rabbi Yochanan and the Babylonian Shmuel, assumed there was no miracle, right? That was, that's interesting. So the, all the Babylonian challenges to the original Palestinian statement assumed that there was no miracle, whereas the Babylonian statement and Shmuel's Understanding that statement assumed that there was a miracle. So then the Gemara goes on to ask the question that's on all our lips: Ketzad hein omdim? How were the cherubs standing? Rabbi Yochanan Rebbelezer, Chad Amar Pnehem Ishel Achiv, V'Chad Amar Pnehem Labayit. One said that they were looking at each other, and one says that they were looking towards the house, meaning towards the sanctuary. Uluman Amar Pnehem Ishel Achiv, Aktivu Pnehem Labayit. And according to the one who says that they're, they were facing each other, does it not say in the verse that they were facing the house, the, the sanctuary? La kasha. This is not a problem. This is in a time when Israel was fulfilling the will of God, and this is in a time when Israel was not fulfilling the will of God. So when they were facing each other, it's as if symbolic of a relationship between God and Israel, and facing each other is a is, means that the relationship is going well. And that's when Israel is fulfilling the will of God, and when Israel is not fulfilling the will of God, they were not facing each other. Uman damar upnehem labayit, and the one who says that their faces towards the house, which was the sanctuary, haktiv upnehem ishalachiv. But does it not say in another place that actually their face, they faced each other? That they were, it's it's as if they were they were standing next to each other, but then their heads were turned so that they they were facing each other. Ditanya, as it says in a different bright, Unculus Hager Omer, Unculus the convert, and Unculus is also the uh, Aramaic translation of of Torah is attributed to Unculus, and there's a story in the Talmud about Unculus Hager. Unclear if it's the same person, but Unculus Hager, who was a who was a Roman royalty, came to was sent by the Caesar to spy on the Jews and bring back information about them, supposedly information about how bad the Jewish religion was or how degraded Judaism was. And he came and he was so impressed that he converted. And this notion of people who convert, the whole list of it in Sanhedrin, for example, is one way of the rabbi saying, we win, Judaism better, 
All these guys from outside came in, they converted. So Unclos was one of these guys, and then he became a great sage, and he said, So the cherubs were made in such a way that even though the body was facing one way, but their face was facing another way, as a student who leaves his teacher and does not want to totally, even though walking one direction is still kind of looking over their shoulder at the teacher as they are walking away. So this is uh, fascinating. If we remember the, the beginning of, of Baba Bacha on 3B, 4A, was all about the building of the second temple, of Herod's temple. And so right from the beginning, there's been some kind of an intertwining. At the end of the first chapter, we also talked about the ark and the space in the ark, in the space of the ark. And here again, we have a discussion of the space of the ark. And so space, which is a very important topic of conversation in a very material sense, in the sense of owning property, buying land, selling land, here also is miraculous space, space of the divine and space that doesn't exist, space and place which does or doesn't exist, does slash doesn't exist. And that's just another part of this conversation. Also, a it's it's kind of interesting that that the the Babylonian rabbis here are not having any of the miraculous space conversation. They're all figuring out ways where this could actually work with the cherubs, so they actually fit into this space. Whereas the Palestinians are very clear, and actually Shmuel also, to be honest, who's an early Babylonian, but that space is that it doesn't all fit into the space. It doesn't have to because it's it is all a miracle. And then the final thing about the cherubs and the the cherubs, which is the most esoteric part of the space, on top of the ark, which is in the sanctum, the sanctum sanctorum, the Kochea Kodashim, Holy of Holies, was symbolic of the relationship between God and Israel, whether or not the cherubs, the Kruvim, were facing each other. Okay, we just finished the conversation about that Mishnah. We're going on to the next Mishnah. One who owns a well or a spring inside his fellow's house. Right? So he owns a spring inside his fellow's house. So he is allowed to go in to get water from his well at a reasonable time, at a time when actually people are going in to do that. And he goes out when people are doing it. So he can't just like go in the middle of the night and decide, okay, time to get some water. And he's not allowed to bring his animal in and let his animal drink from his well, but rather he has to draw the water himself and then give the animal to drink outside. And both the owner of the house and also the owner of the well are enabled to make a lock on the the well, apparently so that they could each have a gate to get in to the well, to different gates, that each of them has access to the well. So the Gemara asks, so this is a question again about what happens when one person's property is embedded in another person's property and impinges on the total control of that second person's property. So the Stam ask begins the conversation by saying, Potachat Lehecha, what is this Potachat to? The Potachat, what is this lock, a lock to? What does it give one entrance to? Amar Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan says, Shnehem Labor. Both of them are entrances to the well. It's not that there's an entrance to an entryway and then an entrance to the well. 
So, okay, I understand that the owner of the well wants to have or demands to have to be able to guard the water of his well. Why does the owner of the house need a lock? So that we shouldn't suspect his wife that the house, the owner of the house's wife would come in and steal the water, so therefore it has to be guarded against her also, and therefore there has to be another lock on it. Okay, and that's all the Gemara wants, that's all the Stam wants to say about this Mishnah. Have you ever come home from a long day of hectoring people on their way to the temple and thought to yourself, where do I go from here? I tell people that God doesn't want their sacrifices. I tell people that Assyria is going to crush their dreams and drag them off into slavery. But am I making a difference? Am I being heard? Do you ever look enviously at the big guys who made it into the book, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and think, what do they have that I don't? Well, sure, they write better than me. Their righteous rage is also touched by a sublime poetry. But what about Zechariah? Nobody understands what he's saying. And there he is, one of the twelve. What's that all about? Well, we're here to tell you that it's not your fault. Baboy Ben Pakoy, Prophet's representation, will get you where you know that God wants you to be. We are a Prophets-only, canon inclusion representation agency. Make sure your righteous rage gets the audience it deserves with BBPR. And only for listeners of this podcast, if you contact us now, you'll get a free consultation. Call us at 1-800-PROFITS-REP. That's 1-800-PROFITS-REP. Tell them Daf Shui sent you. So now we're on to the next Mishnah. One who has a garden inside his fellow's garden. So he's allowed to get to his garden. Of course, he has to. He, he wants to make sure the garden grows. He's uh, got vegetables there. Who knows what? He has to take care of them so that he can use them, so that he can harvest them eventually. So he's allowed to go into his garden only during the time when people normally go into the garden, and he leaves when people normally leave the garden. And he's not allowed to take... Uh, you know, I take salespeople, peddlers, into his garden to sell them vegetables, apparently. So he just has to bring the vegetables out and then sell them to the, the peddlers. And then he can't go into his garden and then, from there, on another side, make another path through the outer garden to a different to a different field. And the one who owns, who has the outer garden is allowed to plant on the path that leads to the garden. If the owner of the outside, outer garden gives the owner of the inside garden a path which is on the side, now, it's not the direct path, it's a path that won't bother anybody. So in that case, the guy in the inner garden could go in and out whenever he wants, and also, he's allowed to bring salespeople into the garden because it's not trampling the outer garden, and they both decided that it was okay. In other words, there was a compromise. He said, okay, you know what? I won't get the most convenient path. I'll get the roundabout path. But then I'm allowed to come go in and out whenever I want, and also I'm allowed to bring salespeople in there. But still, he's not allowed to go use that, go in and then go out through another path to another field. And in this case, neither the inner person nor the outer person 
the owner of the inner garden or the owner of the outer garden are allowed to to plant on the path. Okay, the Gemara. Amar Abihuda, Amar Shmuel. Yehuda, who said in the name of Shmuel, Yehuda was Shmuel's main student. If one person said to another, I am selling you the aqueduct, which brings water to these fields, which are watered by an aqueduct. So I am selling you the aqueduct. So what that implies is that he's going to give him two amot with, now it's a little confusing here because an ama is an aqueduct and an ama is also the width, the, 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 as a measurement of length. So he's giving him two amot of measurement into the field or into the garden and a, a, uh, an ama on either side of the aqueduct itself. Okay, so there's an aqueduct. He sells in the aqueduct. He also gets an ama on either side of the aqueduct. Ama beta kilon animo cherlacha. And if he's selling him an ama, if he says, I'm selling you a, a, an aqueduct or a water channel, um, and a beta kilon, which is, a, or beta silon, it's not, uh, there are two different uh, variants, um, uh, but it's a, a much, um, a, a smaller uh, water channel. So then, notenlo ama achat letocha v'chatsi ama mikan v'chatsi ama mikan l'agape. So he gives him only one one ama for the channel, and then a half an ama on either side of the channel. V'otan agapayim izoran. So then the the stam asked the question: Who is able to plant on those two side? Amot, right? To the 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 two amot, the the ama that's on either side of the water channel. Rav Yehuda Amar Shmuel. Rav Yehuda said in the name of Shmuel, Balas Adezoram, the owner of the field, right? Rather than the owner of the aqueduct, is allowed to plant on them. Rav Nachman Amar Shmuel, Balas Adenot Am. So Rav Nachman said in the name of Shmuel, no. What Shmuel actually said was that the owner of the field is allowed to plant trees, right? Zoram, the owner of the field is allowed to plant seeds. So, um, so you can see in, in English, there's also seeds or trees could be confused in a phonemic conversation or phonemic tradition. But here it's also, Balasadin Zoram was one way that Shmuel's teaching was remembered, that the owner of the field is allowed to plant seeds. Um, and Rav Nachman remembered the conversation that Shmuel said that the owner of the field is allowed to plant trees. Mandamar Zoram, the one who thought, who, who, who reviewed, who claims that it is planting seeds, Kolshikain Notam says, and of course, you can plant trees. Why? Because trees don't mess up the the ground apparently as much as seeds do because the plants that come that grow out of seeds loosen the dirt. But the one who says you're allowed to plant trees, but not seeds, right? For that very reason that we just mentioned, because the seeds and the plants then loosen the topsoil and it's not good. And Rabbi Yudah also said in the name of Shmuel that the aqueduct whose sides, whose 
you know, the sides of the aqueduct, we said you get an amma on each side, fell apart. They are fixed from that very field, from the dirt of the very field. So that's talking about when it is known that the sides of the the aqueduct were uh, fell apart because of that field or in that field. Matkifla Rav Papa, Rav Papa attacks this conclusion. So why doesn't he say, no, you, Mr. Aqueduct owner, are responsible for it because your water caused your dirt to fall in, and that's how the sides of your aqueduct were destroyed. Ella Amar of Papa Sha'almanat Kane Kibela Love Balasides. So Papa says, No, he can't say that because when the aqueduct was built, when he bought the land, he said, I want to buy an aqueduct. So the owner of the field knew that that was the purpose for which he bought the he bought the field. That was the purpose for which he bought that piece of the field to buy an aqueduct. So then he can't say later, well, the aqueduct just acted like an aqueduct, so therefore I'm not responsible. All right, that's the end of that Mishnah, which is what, you know, kind of what, what uh, goes with the buying of, of an aqueduct in the field. One, who there is a path that the masses use to walk over his field. So the, the owner of the field says, no, you can't come here, here, I'll give you a path on the side. So that other path that he gives them belongs to the, to the public now, but he doesn't, he's not able to claim back the the first path. If it's an individual who gets, who walks on a path long enough that it becomes a path, that's only four amot wide. If it's a path that the public right, so then it is 16 amot wide, is a public path. And if it is the king's highway, then it has no necessary width. It has no limit. So if the king decides that your field is their path, forget it. And also, the path to a graveyard or a grave or a, or a, a grave also has no measurement. Hamamad Dianetsipuri Amru Beit Arba'a Kabim. And a uh, a Mahamad, which is a, a platform of some type, the judges of Tsipuri, who the Rashbam says he doesn't know who they are, they said that this is a this is the place for which the the, the amount of field which, for which is which is needed in order to uh, harvest four kavin of grain, four calves of grain. All right. So the Gemara asks, "My shilolo Why doesn't the owner of the field get back the land from the first path if he's going to give him another path?" Linkot pazravelatev. He should take a stick and sit on the path and whack people who keep coming, saying, no, this is my field, go there. He gives them another piece of land. Shamat mina la'avid inish dina l'navsheh afil b'makom pseda. So we learn from here that a person is not allowed to take the law into his hand, into his own hands, even in a, in a, in a place where he is lo- where he is losing, where he, a place of financial loss. Amarav Zuid mishmei durava gzera shama yitain lam derech hakalton. So Rav Zuid said in the name of Rava, this is a decree lest he give them a very far away and you know inconvenient path 
to go through the field so that around the field rather than the straightforward path. Mishashe Mishmei Amar, so Rav Mishashe is a different tradition of what Rabbah said. So this is talking about in a case where he get, where he did give them, you know, a path which was not a straight path, but which took longer and was less convenient. It is in that case that he says that he doesn't get back his original path. And once again, we have two different traditions of what Rabbah said, just like before, we had two different traditions of what Shmuel said. Rav Ashi Amar, kol he Ravashi says that actually every path which is which is on the side, like uh, not straightforward through the, the field, is considered a derech hakalaton. It's considered a a path that is not straightforward. Why? Because it is closer to one person and farther away from the other. This path was in, right in the middle of the field. If you move it any place, some people, for some people, it is closer. For other people, it is farther away. So, according to the Rajbam, the question of the stam is that the reason that the landowner doesn't get back his land is because you can't stop the masses or change their behavior. Therefore, he asks, why doesn't he just take a stick and sit on the old path and whack anyone who tries to pass that way? Don't we say in Bavakama that actually, Avadinishdina? that a person is allowed to take the law into his own hands in a case where he is losing money. This opens the interesting conversation of what ownership means if there is such a thing as a derech rabim, a passage of the masses, which can infringe upon ownership. And that's the conversation which we will be continuing, the conversation which keeps popping up throughout Baba Batra in a very interesting way. Now we're going to stop here. This week, in the Bait Midrash in the Closet, I am Aryeh Cohen. You can follow me on Twitter at Irmiklat, I-R-M-I-K-L-A-T. As always, I want to thank my producer, Eli Unger-Sargon. Check out his podcast, Four Cubits. He has his most recent episode with Jeff Helmreich. is on anti-Semitism, very topical, Kanye West, all that other good stuff. Of course, as always, thanking my Chavruta, Charlotte van Robert, and the communications department here at Daf Shfui, Shachar Cohen Hodos. You can always reach me at thewidowandthebrothers at gmail.com. It's been such an honor to share this time with you. Hope to see you again next week. Stay healthy, stay well, have a great new year, and a very productive Martin Luther King Day.